Today's an exciting day. We're going to be talking about um, all the signs that you see all around. So we're going to we're going to be talking about this and what it means for our church and why they're so why I'm so passionate about it. And uh, um, you guys are really my core group. I see everybody in here. I know all of you by name. I think you guys are all my favorite people in the whole world. So um, besides Peyton Manning, but um, he's 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 up there. Wouldn't that be cool if he came? Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> you guys are, are better than that. Okay. So we're going to be talking about our vision and what it, what it means that uh, we are Surrender Church and why, why we're called that and what that all means. So this is a surrendered vision for Surrender Church. So let's just pray and ask God to kind of speak to us and help us to understand what's going on. Father, I thank you for what you have called us to be and your creative vision that you have planted in us. And I just pray that it would grow, and it would be what uh, really connects us uh, to our church and um, gives us meaning, purpose, and value in our life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, every church is unique, or they should be. God never made two snowflakes that look the same, right? He's a creative God, so every single uh, thing he does is not boring. It's not cookie cutter. You know, all of us have the exact same iPhone, but God doesn't work that way. You know, God God makes churches unique, and he makes people unique. And we are filled with very specific, very wonderful, very weird, very chosen people. We have uh, so many different kinds of people. And you may think to yourself, why would God assemble the, you know, Avengers of Surrender Church. We're, we're not the most popular. We're not, not the most mighty. We're not the strongest or smartest um, or most beautiful. But we are his chosen. We, he has brought us in here, and we are here. It's no accident that you are here. So today, we're going to dive into God's unique mission for our church uh, why we are the way that we are <laughs> and why we do what we do. So let me explain why we need this, okay? Most churches want to make disciples. You drive around town, you see the signs, we make disciples. We love God, we love others, we, you know, all these generic things. Um, and we do too. Every church wants to make, unique, make disciples, but that isn't unique. Um, like, if you were going to start a restaurant, would you go with the idea or the plan? We're going we're gonna to have a big sign out front that says, we serve food. What's wrong with that? What? Better than what? Sliders? <laughs> spiders? Well, yeah, you don't want to serve spiders at a restaurant. That would be false advertising. Um, it's redundant. It's generic, right? If you're trying to get funding for your restaurant idea and you're like, my big idea is that we're going to serve food, um, all your friends are going to laugh at you. And no one is going to get really, really involved in your idea because that is not a unique idea. And it can't really uh, generate that passion that, you know, a fine dining steakhouse would produce, right? Amen? Except for the vegetarians, you don't have to say amen. All right. By the way, anyone got any good restaurants around us? 
in this loc- this part of town. What's your favorite restaurants around here? Anthony's right over there. We had some pizza right there, yeah. What else? What's it called? Howling Wolf. Is that the place that used to have like the volleyball? No? Okay. All right, Howling Wolf barbecue. What else? Because Dana and I were trying to look for some place to eat after church, and we were... Sam's, okay. Evan. Bubba's, okay. All right. Anything else? Dan- Denny's or Danny's? Denny's? Boo. Just kidding. <laughs> if you like Denny's, that's cool. I'll eat there every once in a while. Breakfast for lunch, or breakfast for dinner. That's always good. All right. Well, God wants us to be creative. And we were made in his image after all. And he's a creative God. He's created this entire world. Um, have you looked at bugs? I mean, there's like so many weird, crazy bugs. I could get into that forever, but we'll do that in children's ministry. Um, so every church is unique. And we naturally understand this. We, we understand this principle. Like when you take your kids to go to the park and, and you take them to the playground Do you tell them exactly what to play with? Or do you give them some ground rules and say, go have fun? You let your kids go decide. Like some ground rules like, you know, be nice, don't fight, no kissing behind the fence. (laughs) And so you give them these ground rules and then you let them go play and have fun. So imagine that our father has said, here's the ground rules. Um, we got to save the world. We got to love people. You got to treat people nice. You know, here's church. Let's make disciples. But how you're going to do it, I want you guys to be creative, and I want you guys to think about it and pray about it and, and figure out what's going on. So, you know, we have these ground rules. Love God, love others, make disciples, change the world, reach the lost. Uh, but these can't be part of our unique vision because they're just the ground rules. That's not who we are, and it's not what we, um, the way that God has creatively made us. Um, so we've been invited to serve God and um, give our lives for his cause, for him. But that's not going to happen if we don't understand what we're giving our lives to. Generic vision kills churches. It really does. It creates consumers. It's a lower, less engaged, less excited, less moved, less passionate, less effective way to operate as the body of Christ on this planet. Okay? So the huge goal here, again, is to make Jesus followers, to help people know how much God loves them and what God has done for them. So do you guys want to know what doesn't work? Making Jesus followers? Do you want to know? Good, I'm glad. I'm going to tell you anyway, whether you want to or not. But These motivators, these motivations don't work to make Jesus followers or disciples. These are not bad things necessarily. Uh, they're just not effective to make disciples who would give their all for a cause and be fully surrendered to God's kingdom work in this world. So, there's four things I'm going to give you that just don't work. Number one is a place. You, these are all four things that we need to have 
but they they aren't the highest level of how to connect with God or connect with his mission. So a place. We everyone you know, some people go to church and they go because it's it's a beautiful building, right? Like the the big one downtown that's so pretty, or something that you just feel comfortable in. And yeah, we want to have a nice place. We want to have a comfortable place. But the building is not what it's all about. It's not going to create disciples. People don't walk in here and then robotically become disciples when they walk out. No matter how many cool signs we have. Right. Well, maybe one of the signs is really cool. But The second thing that people connect with a lot at church is the personality of the pastor. Not you guys, but <laughs> a lot of times there's this pastor that just has a really awesome personality. I am like an introvert weirdo, and so we're safe. But, but I do have the beard, so the person, I guess you could say the body of the pastor. Wow, that took a turn. Thanks, Nathan. <laughs> okay, so yeah. I tell bad jokes on purpose so no one thinks I'm cool. Because I don't want you to come to church because of me. Um, I don't want you to be committed to what I tell you. We got we to gotta have something higher, something better, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We don't go to church because of programs, okay? Like, some people connect with church because of, uh, I was an alcoholic, and they have, you know, this program that, that helped me get set free, or, uh, you know, just all kinds of programs. So we never want to be the church that has the most programs. Programs are good. Programs are fun. Programs are effective. They're not bad, but they're not the thing, okay? The second is people, or the fourth thing is people. The relationships. So the relationships are good, great, necessary, needful. We want to have these relationships, but again, that's not the highest purpose. That's not the highest thing that we're going for. So we need all things to exist, but we need much, much more than just these things. We need a purpose and a vision, a unique mission that is specific to us. You know, like our phone has called and the president has a job just for you because you have the skills or the bat signal is, is in the sky and, and that's who you are. So, you know, it's, it's a call out to you specifically. And that's what we want to hear and know. So we need to lean into this mission using our imagination and seeing why God has brought us all together in this very specific time for this in this very specific way. So what I've done is I've made posters all around the room that that explain this and help us to understand. And the reason why I made them permanent and 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 spent money to to buy these and to to make these a big thing that you're going to see forever until I change it. Just kidding. Uh, for a long time, this is, this is really going to help us to know what is going on. So the first thing that we got to understand is what our mission is. And that answers the very important question, what are we doing? And these things answer really important questions that we have to know as a church. What are we doing? Why are we doing it? How are we doing it? And when are we successful? So that's what we're going to talk about. So we're going to start over here with our mission. Our mission is to make disciples who understand God's grace, walk in the realities of God's grace, and are equipped to lead others to the God of all grace. So someone just shout out, what, do, what word really stood out to you in that mission? Grace. Okay, good. I did my job. Thanks, Jonathan. Just kidding. <laughs> Jonathan helped me a little. Um, so yeah, 
grace. It's all about grace. Our, our, our mission is pretty simple. We're going to focus on God's grace. Everything we do is going to point back to that mission. We're going to ask ourselves continually, what are we doing today? And that's what we're doing. So no matter what the thing is that we're doing, that's, that's what we're doing. Um, in our world, and the reason why we're doing this is because in our world, the doctrine of grace has been besmirched two weeks in a row, guys. Using besmirched two weeks in a row. That's major Jesus points for me, or English teacher points. Um, last week, after I used the word besmirched, Courtney came up, and he had a whole, like, he taught me all about how you can besmirch something, or what smirched means. It was very instructive. I really appreciated that. Back to our mission. What am I doing? What are we doing? We're talking about the mission. <laughs> In our world, the doctrine of grace has fallen into disrepair. It's almost been forgotten at times. There's a, a lot of people who connect with God or know God or go to church are in prisons. Prisons of legalism. Prisons of misunderstanding God. Prisons of how do I, how do I ever make God happy? How do I ever get God's help? How do I ever do this thing what religion is right what what do i call what do i do what do i do what do i do so this prison of legalism is infected many many parts of the church you you don't even know when you walk into a church what they're going to proclaim and that's been something that we have identified and we've been working with for a long time and we've seen uh that we want to have a passion to rightly proclaim what God's grace is accurately, his wonderful grace. So with all the songs that we sing, we want to be talking accurately about his grace. With every sermon that you hear, we want to speak correctly about God's grace. That means you're going to hear messages. You're going to hear sermons about what God has done for you. And if you ever hear a sermon that's talking about all the things you need to do for God, leave this church. Okay? Now, we will do many things for God. We will give our lives and sacrifice for him, but it's never going to be the message that comes out from this pulpit, what you need to do, because we are going to glorify God's grace first, which is what he did for us. And his love for us will produce, guess what? Love and works and all the stuff that we should be God says his love will produce that, and that's what this mission means. We have to be disciples who understand God's grace. And then we're going to learn to walk in the realities of God's grace, meaning we're going we're gonna to understand what he did, and then we're going to walk in the realities of what he did for us. And then we're going to share those wonderful, wonderful, gracious things with the world. Do you guys like that mission? Okay? If you don't, that's fine. Maybe it's not the church for you. But that is our mission, and we feel very, very passionately about it. You know, for example, many people have had this experience when they go to church. They, they, they start maybe going to church with a little bit of interest in God, or maybe just because their parents told them to, but they quickly learn that people there in that church are much more interested in what I do and in what mistakes I make and what I don't do and what I wear and how I speak than they are about 
my relationship with God. And it seems like I'm judged by a set of rules, and I can never really win when they're keeping score. And that message that I hear is, is this message of, these are all the things you must do to be accepted by God. Or, these are all the things you must do to be changed into something that really would make God happy. That is happening all over the city today, all over the world. And that is not the message of the Bible. It's not the message of the gospel. That's not good news. Because can I ever be good enough? The Bible says no. We, we've, we've fallen from his glory. And so uh, we need his grace. And so that's what we talk about. That's what we teach about. Uh, you know, we were accepted before we did anything right. God did everything. His grace saved us without us doing anything. All the doing was done by Jesus on our behalf. That is what the gospel is, and we call it the gospel of grace. It's called the gospel of grace. What Jesus has done for us, not what we do for him. After we come into that relationship with him, where we've received God's free grace, and we started a relationship with him where we know that we're forgiven, God transforms us, and our, start, our life starts to line up with his his plan, his standards, his law. It just naturally happens, and that's what God does through grace. So all of that is what our mission is. In many parts of the church, this message has been replaced with a false teaching that you need to bring your best to the table. You need to do more. You need to be more. You need to try harder. Or God helps those who help themselves. You ever heard that one? I hate that one. I will cut you. That is not in the Bible, and it's not true. God does not help those who help themselves. God helps those who humble themselves and put their trust in Jesus, period. Oh, I'll fight now. Okay. So that's our specific area of focus, grace. And we were going to make disciples who understand it. We ourselves are going to walk in it, and we're going to equip others. We're going to share this wonderful, wonderful grace of God with others. So... How are we going to understand it? Well, we're going to, we're going to teach. We're going to study. Uh, we're going to do a lot of that. Every Sunday, we're going to study the Bible. We're not going to stop, and every study is going to be about his grace, all of them, okay? So just set your expectations right now. We're always going to talk about grace. And so for those of you who have been coming here for seven years, what have we talked about all seven years? Yeah, I know. You guys know this, right? Trying harder. Get out. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. You've been here since, like, the very first service, right? And we've talked about grace every single one of those services, right? F and H. Faith and humility. All right. So we are going to study it to understand it. Then we're going to walk in the realities of it, which means we're going to practice living by grace together. Not just understanding it with our brains, but we actually have to live it fully living it, and it takes practice and it takes time to grow. And I don't even think that I have figured out how to walk in God's grace 100%. We have to practice it. And when we see one another failing, 
or you know, falling back into a legalistic way of thinking. We got to rescue each other. And so that's how we're going to, that's part of our mission is doing that. And then thirdly, we're going to lead others to the God of all grace. We're going to boldly tell the world about this, that grace is for saving you and grace is for changing you. You know, we need God's help for all these things. So the next thing, that's what we are doing. I hope I've been clear. We're not going to take that much time on all the rest of the stuff because it's really easy, the rest of it. The next question we got to ask ourselves is, if that's what are we doing, then why are we doing it? So this is our mission. These are our values over here. So you can see above, you know, BK and Ellen over here, their beautiful faces. You have these four different values that really connect and go together. Um, This is why we're passionate about our mission. This is our creative, unique, uh, imaginative way that that God has has, uh, moved in us. So first of all, we have grace, and I put a definition, a working definition for us of grace, which is God's free provision. All these words are so important, okay? We've crafted this. We've worked for years on this. God's free provision through his son Jesus as we humbly trust. You see those words are are highlighted there because we're going to connect those in the next couple. As we humbly trust in the person and work of his son, Jesus generously gives us all that we need, yearn for, and all we are commanded to walk in and become. We could never deserve, earn, or produce this grace on our own. All right, so there's our pretty thorough definition, and that's what we want. That's a big value of ours is having that definition. This is We're going to refer to it so much that you should have this memorized probably um, if you spend much time at all here. And this restores grace to its proper place as, a, as the emphasis of our church. So do you guys like that? Cool. I like it too. I think it's, I really like it. So every sermon, every program, every decision we make, why are we doing it? Because of that. And that we have to answer that question. We need to ask ourselves, why am I doing this? Because of that. Okay? Now, Moving on to to the right, we have humility is one of our values that really connects with grace. And we have the verse that's kind of the theme verse of humility, which is God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And these two that are kind of lower, you see humility and faith are connected on that lower level there. That's because they are what we call relational realities, relationship realities. Um, And humility just means that I have an understanding that I can't trust in myself, that I can't produce what I need, that I can't get it done on my own. I cannot trust in myself. That's what humility means. And it goes with the next relational reality of faith. Humility would say, I need you. Faith would say, I trust you. I trust you. And both of those things were in our definition of grace. So faith is our second reality. We have a guy looking over some beautiful you know, like lake right there. Like, so, And this is, faith is a deep conviction that Jesus is reliable, Jesus is dependable, and he is willing to supply all I need for life and growth. That's what faith means. So humility says, 
God, I need you. Faith says, God, I trust you. And then the final one we have up there, we have surrender, a cool definition of surrender, which says combining the two relational realities of faith and humility. So you combine those two ideas, and it really, you can, you can use the word surrender to combine those two ideas. So that's briefly why we are doing what we're doing. That's why we're called Surrender Church. Our very name, our identity is tied up in these values. All right, so cross over the room over here to how are we doing it, okay? So if, if this is our mission and this is why we're doing it, then, you know, how are we going to actually accomplish this? And this, this is our strategy, um, and our strategy is pretty simple. We are going to be investing in relationships, that is how we are going to get these things done. Now, there's going to be a lot more coming about this, and you're going to see how this connects with the things that we do, but it's pretty uh, self-explanatory. We're going to invest in relationships, and there's a key word as we read through this. It says investing in relationships, daily God time, weekly gather time, yearly go time. What's the key word that stands out to you guys? Time. Exactly. Because all relationships are built on one thing, and that is time. Time is how you grow relationships, right? You don't marry someone you met five seconds ago, right? That doesn't work. Well, BK's like, well, maybe. <laughs> Not all of us had arranged marriages, bro. That's all right. <laughs> I'm just going to let that be out there. Maybe that happened. <laughs> All right, so our strategy is all about time and giving time, investing time. You only have a certain amount of time in your life, and we want to invest time into relationships. And there's three, three places you have relationships, three groups that you have relationships with. The first one is you have a relationship with God. And so we want, our strategy is to invest time into that relationship with God. Secondly, you have a, a relationship with God's people, your family. This is your real, spiritual, adopted family. And so church is the second group that you have a relationship that, that we're going to invest time in. And the third one is you have a relationship with the world. The world. The, all the people in the world, whether that's your real family or your, um, you know, coworkers or just the people that cut you off on the road. There's lots of those. Or the people doing drugs out in front of our church. We have a relationship with all these people, and so we are going to invest time in all three of those arenas. It's a pretty simple strategy. Um, again, investing time is not the same as doing works, although... You can do works, and works are fine, but this is not rules that we're establishing for investing time. This is relationships. Jesus did this. Jesus valued the relationships with his father. He spent all kinds of time alone with God. He would always get up early and spend time with God. And then he valued time with his disciples, his family, his church. And he also spent time in the world telling them how much God loved them and, and getting to know them and loving them. So that's how... Uh, our strategy is. Now, you see on the bottom where it says one, one, two? That's a big mystery, isn't it? Yeah. I'm going to tell you what it is. Are you ready? 
the one stands for 1%. The second one also stands for 1%. And the two stands for 2%. Whoa. So what this is, is this is our first step at quantifying what kind of time we're talking about. What are we talking about? Well, my daily God time. I want to give God 1% of my day. That's where we're going to start. That's going to be our baseline of what a Jesus follower looks like. What is 1% of the day? Anybody? Don't pull out your calculator, Nathan. You were just going to do I saw your hand reaching for your calculator. This is not hard. No. 1% of your day for your daily time depends on if you're counting if you're asleep or awake. Like you're sleeping. Yeah. I don't know. What do you say? Like 20? How about 15 minutes? I think that's 1% of your time. But I don't want him to be right. I want him to be embarrassed. Just kidding. Okay, so 15 minutes. Or you could actually use 24 minutes if you're counting all the time that you're asleep as well. So 1% of your day, between 15 and 24, 25 minutes, something like that. What does that mean? It means getting alone with God for that amount of time. We're going to be uh, help. Uh, helping, getting some tools involved, and we, we're going to be coming up with some ideas where we can be doing some stuff to help you with your God time, okay? But that's, that's what a Jesus follower does, and that's our strategy. That's what we want everyone in the church to be, commit, to be doing. You say, what do you do at that church? We have God time. Number one, we spend time with God. Does that make sense? Secondly, we have a gather time where we get together 1% of our week, which would be about 100 minutes no, hour and a half-ish, maybe a little bit more, where you're getting together with your church family and loving each other, bearing one another's burdens, encouraging one, one another, all the things that we need to do that Jesus commands us to do for each other. Does that make sense? So that would be like church on Sundays, plus maybe another gathering during the week where you get together with your friends. Because you're not spending time together right now, you're listening to me. So before and after church counts, and just getting together is a very important thing for us. So we want you to come to church early to spend time with one another, talking, to find out how each other are doing. We want you to stick around afterwards. We want you to p- take someone out to lunch and do these things for real to connect with the body of Christ. It doesn't have to be just with our church, but our church is going to be doing that. Okay, and then third thing would be yearly go time. What is that? Well, that's 2% of your year would be Anyone want to guess? About seven days. So one week of our year, we want to give to God's global mission. We want to be serving, whether that's in this community, whether that's serving at a VBS or serving at some other event that we're putting on or just going and, and, and finding people to talk to. Somewhere in this world, we want to have a go time, a time that is dedicated to serving God and getting out there and building a relationship with the people of this world that's positive and life-giving, not going out on the street and telling everyone how terrible they are or that God hates them. Does that make sense? Okay, we don't want to do that, just in case you were wondering, Nathan. Okay, thank you. All right. So that is our strategy. 
okay? Something outside the walls is our go time. We don't want to be doing everything here. We want to get outside the walls and do it. Okay, now, lastly, we're almost done, but this is so, I love this part. This part is when are we successful? These are our measures, guys. This is how we can measure whether we have been doing all the other stuff, whether we've been keeping to our strategy, these things should happen if we've been doing this. If we've been believing our mission, if we've been connecting with our heart, with our values, and then we've been actually spending time investing, these things will naturally happen. Now, did we talk about these things first or last? Last, okay? And that's because you don't focus on these first. They are fruits that happen last, these are the ways that we can observe and actually see if we're being successful in doing what God is inspiring us to do. We're not trying to imitate what other churches do. I don't care what other churches do. I think they're great. I think there's some that are awesome and some that are way smarter than me and have way better plans than me. But this is what will happen if we are successful. This is what we are looking for. Uh, the, we are going to be fruit inspectors. Fruit inspectors, okay? Um, fruit shows identity. If you get apples off your tree, what kind of tree is that? It's an apple tree, right? If you get bowling balls off your tree, you need a new tree. <laughs> That's a strong tree, but it is not fruitful. It is very strange and not the way it's supposed to work. So, Trees don't produce anything except what comes out of their, their heart, right? It's, it's, it's produced out of what's inside. These are the fruits that are produced from a living relationship with God, a healthy relationship with your church family, and an outreaching relationship with the world. And so um, if we want to change our fruits, do we just try harder to make these things happen? No. We go all the way back to the beginning, and we remember God's grace, and then we connect with God through humility and faith. We start living it. Then we start investing time, and over time, these things will happen. But do you see how I designed them with, like, they look like checkmark things? So it's like a list, and my wife loves making lists because she really loves scratching off the, when she completes it, right? Well, here, you could you could make an X. You could... In your mind, in your heart, you can inspect how you're doing. And I expect you guys to be constantly saying, okay, am I really understanding God's grace, living in God's grace? And is God's grace living and powerful in my life? This will help us to know. Now, if you say, man, no, I'm not doing any of that. My life is crud compared to this. Um, great. God still loves you. And he wants to begin the work. So just remember that this is not God loves you if you do this. This is the kind of fruit God will produce in your life as you connect to him. Does that make sense? Well, I don't want you to misunderstand that. Now, guys, there's going to be a lot more people coming here, and they're all going to ask, what do these posters mean to you? And you're going to go around the room, and you're going to explain all of this to our new friends that are going to be coming. Are you ready? All right, so let's go through these things real quick. These, uh, okay, so first we'll talk about surrendered to God. If I'm surrendered to God, 
these are the measures, these are, this is how I'll know I'm successful at doing that. First of all, my identity, okay? So that's that first word there. Uh, that means, do we look to him for our identity? Are we listening to him about who we are? Or are we listening to the world or our own thoughts? You know, God tells me uh, that he loves me. So if I'm feeling not loved, or if I believe I'm not loved, I'm not listening to my identity. God says he has given me all that I need. And so if I don't believe that that is my identity, that he has supplied me with what I need, then I, I need to go back to grace to remember what God has done. And that fixes my identity. Um, the next thing you'll see if you're surrendered to God is you'll see that you'll be delighting. You'll be delighting, which means you're excited to connect with Jesus. You're excited about it. You'll be longing for it. That is a beautiful thing to have. The third thing is you'll see obedience in your life. Do you have a heart to obey Jesus and be led by his spirit? That's what you will have as a fruit in your life. No, I really don't, man. I really, uh, I, I, I'm always falling or I even have like these desires to do wrong things. Okay, go back to grace. Remember what God has done for you. Connect with him, then spend time with him. Then you will have a heart that is changed and obedience will happen. Uh, prayer will be happening in your life. You'll delight in prayer. You'll love prayer, which just means you'll be talking with God. So you can ask yourself, do I talk with God? That's a good measure. Worship. Do I speak about God's goodness? Do I, you know, talk about God as much as I talk about how much I love the Broncos? I love God even more. Like that's how, that's what worship would be like. Thankfulness is another fruit. Do I sincerely give him thanks for the, my blessings? And then abiding is another one I put on the bottom there. It says, do I, am I sticking close to him? Am I remaining with him, sticking close? Or do I, do I run away from him sometimes? So if we want, we want that abiding relationship where we're not constantly in and out, but we're just staying with him, close to him. All right, the next thing is at church. What is, what is church supposed to look like? Well, if uh, the fruits I'm going to have is love, I'm going to be loving God's family, loving my brothers and sisters, no matter how weird they are. No matter how much of goobers are at church, I'm going to love them, even if they can't do anything for me or give anything to me. I'm going to love them with all my heart. No matter how many are there, no matter what they've done, I'm going to love them. Uh, honor is the next word. Do I consider their needs above my own? That's a fruit that we'll see. Uh, reconciling, do I... Um, Seek to work through differences and see things from their perspective. That's a good thing that's going to happen in church, uh, respecting people. Serving is another fruit that is way at the end of this process. Serving. Am I willing and ready to serve other people's needs when we're gathered together or just out and about? We have a meal train. You know, people have needs all the time at our church, and so serving is happening all the time. Disciple is the next word, which means, am I teaching others to follow Jesus, either by my words or my actions? Am I, is God using me to help other people learn how to follow him? That's a fruit. Protecting, do I watch out for my family at church? And encouraging, am, am I a voice of encouragement or am I discouraging people at church, always telling them how they're messing up? 
or am I encouraging them? All right, the last one is surrendered in the world, okay? So out there, when you're out and about, when you're at your job and all that, you're going to have the fruits of generosity. You know, do I freely give my blessings to help those in need? That's important. Uh, Bold, do I give a clear witness of my testimony, my identity, that I'm a loser and Jesus has saved me? All that, all that God has done for me, that's bold. Testimony, do I share how Jesus has set me free from sin and offers to do the same for others? I have the word investing in there. Do I give my time, my talents, and my energy to better the people in this world, even if they don't deserve it? I have missions written up there because we, you know, do I support and engage in God's mission around the world? I have cultures up there. Do I regard all cultures as equal and unique? And do I see them all as God's beloved creations? Or am I racist, right? We don't want that. That's not godly fruit. Adoptions is the last one I have written up there because that's a unique thing to our church that we have a, um, you know, some, some real relevant connection with adoptions. How, how many of you in here have either been adopted, adopted someone, or have someone in your immediate family that has been touched by adoption? So, boom, 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 boom. Everyone, <laughs> except you. Get out of here. Just kidding. <laughs> You've been adopted by Jesus, right? That's right. There you go. Okay. <laughs> um, no, your parents are raising one of your nephews, right? No? He doesn't live with them? Doesn't? He lives with you guys. Well, the same thing. Get your hand up. There you go. All right. See? It's all good. <laughs> so that's going to, what? Oh, that's okay. We still love him. I mean, he's still, like, alive, right? Okay, good. He's, you're like, he's not with us anymore. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I did not mean this to go that way. <laughs> okay. So adoptions is going to be one of the practical things that our church, it's a domain that God has brought into our church that really is quite amazing. And so we have some ideas and we want more ideas of how we're going to uh, be doing something with adoption. So here's the questions. What are we doing? Why are we doing it? How are we doing it? When are we successful? Next, we move into what the future might become. But we don't have time for that today. We just talked about all that our church is and our values and all that stuff. And so that is all the time we have for today. All right? What do you guys think? Is there any questions that you guys have about these things, anything at all that you want to ask? Yes. That's right. (laughs) That's very true. I love that, John. Thank you. Any other questions? Anything at all? All right, well, come up and ask me afterwards if you have any questions or thoughts or ideas. I hope that you were inspired. I hope you were inspired about what this church is because we have a building, we have a pastor, we have, you know, people, and we have that other one that I can't remember right now, that of ways that we connect. But none of those are ever going to touch your heart as much as a mission, a vision. And so I hope that this is going to get you excited about what we're doing and how you guys can sacrifice and give and be a part of it and take a lead in it and see this, the, be successful 
in what God has called us to do here at this church, okay? All right, Father, we thank you for your love and grace and your mercy. We thank you uh, that you have spoken um, to our hearts. Uh, we, we bring nothing as far as talent to this table. We only have you. So, Lord, we're going to wrap it up here, and, and we're going to let these things sink into our heart and know that you love us, that you've given your lives for us through Jesus Christ. We live and move and have our being, and we know that we're accepted and loved by you. And I just praise you, God, and I thank you for all my dearest friends here and pray that you'd unite us in one spirit to move as one person throughout this world that you've called us to be in. Amen. Men. All right, that is our time together today. So uh, God bless you guys, and let's uh, have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.